Come on in, guys, because it's time for another episode of Outwatch, a Survivor Rewatch podcast. My name is Alex. I am your host and guide in our Outwatch journey. On this podcast, we rewatch and recap and react to old seasons of Survivor. Um, and I am joined by three of my friends who are relative newcomers to the Survivor world, watching these seasons with intensity for the first time ever. Uh, we are smack dab in the middle of our Survivor the Amazon rewatch. That's season six. And today we are recapping episode seven titled Girls Gone Wilder. Chances are you have heard about this episode because it was a big one. Or perhaps your unwholesome searches on the internet led you down a rabbit hole that led you here. I hope it didn't. What, what an unfortunate like series of Googling <laughs> with a very express intent in mind. Yep. <laughs> um, so before we get deep into this episode, uh, it's time that you met my co-hosts. And let's start with Adam. Welcome to Outwatch. Oh, so good to be here, Alex. Um, I always love to start out our pod with a pointed question related to this episode. And um, for obvious reasons, I've got to ask, Adam, if you were in an individual immunity challenge, what food would you ask Jeff to produce that would tempt you to strip to your buck nakedness and jump into the ocean and forfeit your chance at immunity. What is that food that you would ask him to produce from the survivor kitchen for you? I mean, assuming I would actually need a food offer to do this to begin with, let's start there. (laughs) Uh, The Oreos probably would have gotten me like real quick. Yeah. You would not have needed much beyond Oreos to, to, to get those pants off. Not even peanut butter with the Oreos. Just straight Oreos. Mm Mm-mm. Doesn't Don't even need to be huh? double stuff. Just, you know, regular Oreos. You would have got me. I don't need milk, just Oreos. I would have been there. All right. Well, if you were a part of this challenge, you were going right in the water with Jenna and Heidi, huh? Yeah, but that's okay. I'm not Roger, so I think we're good. <laughs> Roger! <laughs> uh, Emily, welcome to Outwatch. Thanks for having me. Same question. What food are you making Jeff produce? Uh, I would want some macaroni and cheese. Mm. The good kind. What's the like, good kind? I mean, <laughs> like, crap. like with Velveeta. And well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, some real cheesy stuff. Um, I like the curly noodles. The oh, what are those? Yeah, Kavatapi. Kavatapi noodles. Those are the best. That is an uh, yeah. That's a slept on thing. I don't know why every mac and cheese dish isn't made with that noodle. Yeah, they're real just low. really sturdy, yep. and they just capture all the cheese. It's what you want. Yes. Hey, Scott, welcome to Outwatch. Hey, thanks for having me. Always. Scott, what food are you making Jeff produce to get down to your birthday suit Ooh, and forfeit your okay. immunity chance? Um, I'm probably going to go with a buffalo chicken wrap. That's, that's a like good one. my favorite food. Wow. You know, I do often crave a buffalo chicken wrap. They're very good. They always hit the spot. Was Whether all- I am not starving on an island or if I'm just existing in my normal life. <laughs> Was it your... Now, now that you say that, a Popeye's chicken sandwich probably would get me off that too. Ooh, the Popeye's chicken Ooh. sandwich. Now we're getting into uh, pop culture meme territory. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, was it was it your year of right quad um, chicken wrap eating that (laughs) subconsciously made you choose buffalo chicken wrap? You know, that's where it started. (laughs) Man, if Jeff pulled out a Charlie Biggs spicy chicken wrap. (laughs) And it was prepared by Sandin when he worked at the (laughs) friend of the show, Sandin. Oh my god! Imagine like uh, the way they sneak in like Coors Light in one of these episodes. It's this. It's this episode. They also had just like the Charlie's Biggs guy, <laughs> Charlie Biggs Chicken, gas stations and college food places. That's the only place you find those. I was very disheartening. It was very disheartened to find out that Charlie Biggs is like gas chase gas station chicken yeah and it was like yep. treated as a delicacy our freshman year oh, no, it was so good there's a convenience store just down the block from circadian totally a sponsor of this podcast that uh has a charlie biggs in it and uh in the three years that circadian has been operational i've never once ventured down there but i've been tempted 
Yeah. I bet you will now. I might. <laughs> well, anyway, this uh, episode of Survivor is episode seven of the Amazon, which is season six, titled Girls Gone Wilder. If you want to do your own rewatch um, and follow along with us, or if you're remembering fondly this era of Survivor um, and want to... Uh, yeah, reminisce along with us. Or, you know, if you're doing your first watch through as well, uh, this is spoiler free. So you are safe here, folks. You're safe. No spoilers. What do you say we uh, start this episode by going through the key points of this episode? What do you say, guys? Sounds great, Alex. I'm happy to hear that. So this episode starts with uh, after this tribe comes back from tribal council, uh, Rob pitches the idea to the rest of the tribe to convince the other tribe that when they merge, that those original gender-based tribal lines have stuck um, and therefore make them feel more comfortable than they truly are. Shortly afterwards, we have our merge. We've made it to the merge, guys. Uh, the orange tribe has to build a new shelter at a new beach. And when they arrive, they get hot dogs and Coors Light, just like, you know, any good Sunday afternoon, um, a meal. I mean, that's really the dream, right? Hot dogs and Coors Light. I can think of, that's what I would ask Jeff for if I was on the perch. Oh yeah. We didn't ask you. <laughs> Jeff, if you produce hot dogs and Coors Light, I'm done. <laughs> it's over. You're a true baseball fan. <laughs> what's what's the what's the Chicago beer? Old style, dude. Old style. Yeah. What if you just pull out an old style? I'm, I'm gone. I'm I'm not even touching the water. I'm sprinting on the water all the way to Jeff. <laughs> uh, after uh, the merge feast happens, Roger really kills the buzz and creates some tension with Dina over the plans for the camp. And while Roger's really working hard on that shelter, Rob, Dina, and Jenna are playing the social game really, really hard. The next morning, Roger wakes everybody up early after a wild Coors Light-fueled night. Um, and we see Dina solidifying a final three deal with Rob and Jenna. At the immunity challenge, we have this iconic challenge and an iconic moment. They've got to stand on these big perches in the water for as long as they can while Jeff periodically tempts them to jump off with food. Um, the game implications here is that Christy and Dina make it all the way to the end, but then they play a game of rock, paper, scissors. Dina comes out victorious and Dina wins immunity while they both get to share spaghetti and meatballs. But the big story here is uh, Jenna and Heidi immediately telling Jeff, Jeff, if you get chocolate and peanut butter, we will take off our clothes and jump in the ocean. Um, it's kind of like one of those, like those, that Twitter, um, um, meme where it's like, no one blank, absolutely no one blank, Jenna and Heidi, <laughs> if you bring out chocolate yes. and peanut butter, we're getting naked. <laughs> That's kind of what happened here. Yes, it is. Uh, yep. Back at camp, Roger really has no idea that he's overwhelmingly hosed, and that bears out at Tribal Council, where the original, or rather the the swapped tribe lines hold fast. Roger's voted out by a vote of seven to three. Rob, Matt, and Alex swing with the women, while Roger, Matthew, and Dave are left on the outs. And Roger becomes the first person voted out of the merge tribe, and but not a member of the jury notably. And that's that for what happens this episode. Um, let's start off as always by accounting our most reactable moments. I think it's pretty clear here from the macro level, but maybe you guys had, um, some specific moments that you really enjoyed. Um, Scott, what was your, your favorite or most noteworthy moment of this episode? Well, so I actually knew like from the previews, like for this episode that like I had seen that clip before. Oh yeah. The Jen and Heidi one. So like when it <laughs> happened, I was like, okay, okay, whatever. There it is. <laughs> my big thing was Dina winning immunity because she's my favorite player right now. Yeah. Like ever. And like this whole episode, like led up to it. And when she finally won, I was like, yes, queen. Yes. Yeah. Dina <laughs> is incredible. 
I love her so much. We like, this is a Dina Stan podcast, folks. We, and I'm leading the charge. I'm rowing the boat. <laughs> I stand, Dina. <laughs> do you have Dina um, on your tribe, Scott? I do. Yeah, he does. Wow, what I, a good pick. It, and that kind of fuels it more so than anything. But definitely. that was definitely my most noteworthy part of the episode. Favorite part, boom, there it is. Yeah, I think Jeff says when um, Dina wins immunity, she, he's like, man, uh, such a lawyer. You're the only person type of people who can negotiate a win and food out of this right <laughs> she's she really killing it. it yeah adam do you have a favorite or most reactable moment uh i i mean i was a fan of the of dina winning obviously i think that the uh the the post uh roger getting go out scene where he's talking is just wonderful um <laughs> listen i'm a leader it's going to be my downfall. It's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Real chef's kiss moment. I, uh, I just, I love this so much. Cause he's, he even says, he's like, I, well, I don't think I was outplayed. I don't think I was outwit. It's like, dog, you just got voted out on a blind side. Yeah. Like, what do you mean you weren't outplayed? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't my fault. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fluke. All fluke. Emily, what about you? What was uh, the best moment of this episode? Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. The lead up to him getting voted out. Mm -hmm. I just was like, there's no way he's completely clueless. But when he quit the immunity challenge very early on, you could tell like he was very confident. And then the people who voted with him had no idea. So that was really interesting to see in tribal council. Um, especially because, you know, they arrange the vote. So it looks like it's going to be close. And then all of a sudden it's just he's completely been voted against and he's out. Left out in the cold. Yeah, they really like tease that out or set it up well, too, with that first scene we get where Rob is telling everybody from that tribe, like, yo, well, let's tell them that it's men versus women. But really, we're here. We're sticking to sticking together. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. yeah, that's the way it plays out. I'll also say that this episode plays out so much like a reality show as compared to like new seasons of Survivor play yeah. out as more of a strategy show. Because after the fact, I looked at Emily and I was like, we didn't get any scenes of the men all talking and be like, this is who we're going to vote out. This is who, you know, like mm-hmm. we're all in agreement, right? Like there's nothing of that. Like going into it, I had no idea who the men were going to like vote for. I think at one point maybe they said Christy, but like there was no there's none of the strategic moment where any of the men who are going to betray Roger had to lie to him. Yeah. On the final cut. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, they which didn't feature really is so strange, given that we just got done with like Karyan. Right. Which was done. I mean, like you just see you see Survivor as a, a reality show not as much like a strategy game show mm-hmm. in this episode so clearly. Yeah. I think this whole season for sure is the most like yeah. that it gets that way. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and hit the major points of this episode and break mm-hmm. them down as they come across our TV screens. Um, one thing I was struck with early on in this episode is guys, we've got a lot of Island wildlife updates to make here. We got a lot of monkey shots. We got a lot of bird shots. You guys have any memorable uh, wildlife memories so far of this? We've talked a lot about the crocs and the piranhas. (laughs) (laughs) This Um, is, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and take the liberty and um, name Island Wildlife. Um, um, What's the what's this called? Not a bit. Um, segment segment yeah 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 thank you not a it, bit <laughs> our old show is a bit Alex what are you talking about <laughs> this island wildlife segment is officially now known as I didn't know they made such an animal yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I didn't know they made such an animal segment yes any uh, any animals that have really stuck out to you guys so far um, I will tell you I remember two but I think they were in the next episode but because that's all right Yeah, I don't think our listeners are paying that much attention. If they are like, you should join this podcast. But (laughs) there was 
a very cute monkey. Mm. I don't like monkeys very much, but this one was very cute. It had big eyes and it looked like a baby. I liked it. The second one was some kind of crocodile or alligator. I think they're crocodiles. And there was this giant fly that landed right oh, yeah. on its eyeball. And the no, crocodile just kind of like twitched its eyeballs and swam away. It was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, I think it's next episode, the gnat segment. Rob talks oh, about yeah. The, yeah. the clouds of gnats yeah. that follow the world. We do. This this episode, we get a little inside peek of uh, some of the stuff they do to, to prepare the survivors because Dina is arguing with Roger where she's like in oh, the training point. they gave yeah. us. We're supposed to be 150 feet from the water. And Roger's like, well, that's all right. And Dina's like, that's not what they told us. Yeah, like, no, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that there is like a, a pretty extensive like uh, basic survival sort of thing that goes on. Yeah, that's probably what she was talking about. I like to imagine there's like a guy on the crew who's just there to like reference if they're doing anything like particularly dangerous. And half the time he says his like head in his hands. And he's like, what are we doing? Kind of like the Gordon <laughs> Ramsay on the Survivor production crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's putting the cannolis in the oven entirely too late. <laughs> <laughs> We, I started watching MasterChef recently with Jen, and I love it. <laughs> I really love it. It's like I've talked about this with her. Now, welcome to our MasterChef podcast within a podcast. Master commentator. Yeah. Um, the it is so, and I think this is all Fox reality shows. Maybe it's so melodramatic in a way that like Survivor isn't. Where like Survivor has tons of moments of like goofiness and levity and kind of like self-poking humor. There's definitely plenty of like drama going on, but it's like MasterChef every single moment is like, now, please step forward. Dina, your dish today was five second pause. <laughs> Terribly delicious. <laughs> You're safe. Awful. It's Lee like, amazing. Yeah, every time. And it's so goofy. But it's like, yeah, it's it's bad and therefore it's good. <laughs> Have you watched MasterChef Junior? No, I haven't. Okay, so that's my favorite because Gordon Ramsay's like a human being in it. Yeah. Where like the kids will start crying and Gordon Ramsay will walk over there and he'll be like, it's all right. My daughter's crying in the kitchen sometimes too. And then he like helps him do stuff. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, like, you're like, oh my gosh, you're a real person. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, d I do love uh, recently we did see him yell at somebody about cannolis and that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, merge feast, guys. We uh, as mentioned, we got hot dogs and Coors Light, which may <laughs> rank as the worst merge feast of all time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but that uh, an important part of the merge feast, as far as we're concerned, is that every player on your squad who makes the merge gets an automatic 15 points. So that's a big windfall of points for all these teams here. Um, especially for Scott's tribe, say, Bangarang. Scott, took it away! Who entered this episode with four Ooh. players. Yes. We're, we're killing it. Team Bangarang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did anybody catch the quick, quick clip of um, Butch opening the jar of pickles and then like grabbing one and being like, yes, no, <laughs> no I missed that. That would have been me. Maybe rewatch it and see if we can gif the Butch like cheering the pickle. <laughs> Guys, I love, that. I love I love everyone getting or I love Roger getting upset at everyone for trying to keep the beer cold, too. Yeah, he's such a buzzkill. <laughs> it's real like, OK, boomer moment for Roger. <laughs> um, I thought this was worth bringing up here. Uh, I saw this on Thanksgiving. Uh, we were recording this shortly after the American holiday Thanksgiving. <laughs> where um, Dina tweeted uh, the following and there, there was a picture with it that was um, 
like this merged group from this episode. But she said, special happy Thanksgiving to my merged tribe family, my most memorable Thanksgiving ever. We were dirty, tired, and hungry and spent hours sharing our family traditions. At Rob Sesternino had great stories and commentary. 17 years flies by. Which is very sweet. And also, apparently, this... Uh, over the course of this episode, it took place over Thanksgiving that year. Wow. That's got to be kind of rough. I mean, hot dogs do probably have some turkey in them, so. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Also, that would have been a much better moment to share than them staying up late and having, like, what's your wildest sex moment? (laughs) (laughs) That's like such an unfortunate thing that we now know the producers and editors like decision made. Yeah. I wonder what footage that didn't make it into the show that the editors had to like cut through. It's too wholesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's 2000. When was it? Three. 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 I was a post 9 11 world. Dang it. I was going to say two holes and 9 11 has happened yet. But. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a wild sequence. I think yep. that uh, I made this note for the next episode, but we can talk about it here. This is just, just like totally the randiest season of Survivor ever, and it's not close. <laughs> that is good. That's a good thing to know. It's like, it's wild. It's every episode, there's like two scenes of people talking about sex. Yeah, or like intense close-ups of Heidi or Jenna. Yeah. Who look, I mean, com- like they look, they look like skeletons. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they um, have been on this island for 30 days, and I can't imagine they had a lot of excess body weight to begin with, so... How many people do you think go on a diet before they go on Survivor because they're like, I got to look good in a bathing suit? I think probably in this era, like most of them. So sad. Yeah. But, you know, current knowledge is don't do that. In fact, do the opposite. (laughs) Bulk up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, man. Get a little uh, thickness. Yep. This covers nine calories per gram versus carbs that are only four. So... And there is our island medical update from Dr. Scott. Thank you. You're welcome. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Scott, would you recommend the Survivor Diet? What is the Survivor Diet? Antioch. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mostly rice, and in this season, it's whatever that stuff they eat in Brazil is. Dude. Well, yep. I can never recommend a non-balanced, healthy diet, so... <laughs> So probably not (laughs) starving yourself, man. Fish are good though. Fish is good. So lots of fish, fish and Coors Light. Coors Light. (laughs) All your daily nutrients. That's everything you need, especially if the mountains are blue. (laughs) Did they have the mountains on the can? I don't know. Surely in 2003. I'm not sure. I feel like this is pre-Blue Mountains. Yeah. Guys, I looked up Manioc because I just remembered that's what this is called. That's what it was. Manioc is, um, it's, it's yucca. It's another word for yucca. Oh, that is awesome. It's also what makes, uh, tapioca. Yeah. There's a, there's a place here in Indy that has yucca fries, which apparently is pretty popular in a lot of places. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not just Indy, especially no, since it's, it's Indy. Um, <laughs> cutting edge here. last on those sorts of trends, but they're delicious. Yeah. Have you That's ever had those? Not on Survivor, you know, have you ever had those like um, exotic chips? Yes. Yeah. There's yucca chips in those bags. They're tasty. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> wandering. This is the this is this is the most loosey goosey episode about watching. It's because been. there's like nothing really to talk about other than like Jenna and Heidi's nudity. Right. We got to tighten it up. We've got to bring it back. Focus. A tight four. <laughs> um, and another uh, thing I noticed this episode that is super rare in Survivor and. Um, the first time we've seen it are these pair confessionals. Did you guys catch that? What? One more time. Oh, the pair confessionals when they have two people in the same frame. Oh, yes. They did that with 
two guys. I don't remember who it was. Rob and Alex, they did it with. And then Alex and Matt, right? I think it was Alex and Matthew. Yeah. It was kind of funny because I feel if I remember correctly, it was Alex in the frame and they were talking to him. And then all of a sudden they kind of zoomed out a little bit. And then Matt was there, too. Yeah. He was like, yeah, what he said. I was like, whoa. Yeah, he's here, too. Yeah, <laughs> it did. There were like moments of this episode that felt less. They felt less produced or less directed because of things like that. It was Thanksgiving week. So, yeah, you know. yeah. Half the crew is you know gone anyway. <laughs> right. so. Probably. <clears throat> I actually wondered if it did have a like a reason to do with like them running out of time or not having as much time to get like a confessional with every single person. If like. All right, this is the biggest that a tribe is going to be right now in the whole course of this game. There's 10 people on this tribe. We don't have enough time to get a yeah. confessional with everyone. Let's just lump Heidi and Jenna together and lump Matthew and Alex together. It's something that, yeah, like I I really cannot think of other examples of this happening. Exceptionally rare. And we saw one. We saw one. We should be so lucky. Yeah. It's really, um, really just, just, just grace that we get to see that. <laughs> no other word for it. No other word for it. Uh, we can talk some more about the immunity challenge. There really is a lot here. We've got, uh, we've got Jeff's pose where he's lounging on the side of the boat. Um, he looks good. He does look good. We've got the moment where it gets really rainy for a while. That was wild. <laughs> What'd you guys think when the rain came? <laughs> <laughs> I Scott, just felt bad for the people eating all that food. Yeah, True. that didn't look appetizing. Like, man, you want a goes. soggy pizza? A soggy pizza. Mm. Also, Jeff opened that up. It was under like a cloche. Mm -hmm. And he was like, piping hot pizza. I was like, it is not piping hot. No, it's probably been on that boat for an hour. Yep. And now it's yeah. being rained on. Yep. Nobody wants your soggy pizza. Um, from oh, man. There were hot wings, too. That would have got me off. I, <laughs> dude, those wings <laughs> looked good, though. Low okay. key. Uh, that would have got me to jump off the thing I was standing on. <laughs> I loves hot wings. No, you did. Uh, you did bring that up when you were watching the episode. So I expected that to be your answer. I forgot about it because you let the Oreos go, and then they showed the hot wings, and you were like, "Oh yeah, no, that would be my downfall." It's fair. Um, but that's, you brought up the Oreos earlier. It sounded. I forgot about it, but like when he, when Jeff, there was this moment where Jeff opened up the cloche, and he was like, "Hot wings, blue cheese dressing." I was like, "That sounds amazing right now." They looked good too. Like those yeah, look like good wings yeah so there was just there was like me a human being who just got done with thanksgiving was like yeah that looks awesome <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, on the uh, on the heidi and jenna thing yes i can't am i the only one that they they said i will get naked for chocolate and peanut butter then he just says well what do you know here's some chocolate yeah. and peanut butter Dude, okay I, here's the Almost theory like it was, this is I my head scripted yeah, or do you think they messed with the way that they showed the shots? Like, do you think this he is my, showed this it to is them my head then... canon? Is is Heidi and Jenna are like Jeff? We will get naked for peanut butter and chocolate, and then all of a sudden Jeff and the entirety of production is like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Get some chocolate, guys! Find chocolate and peanut butter now! Go! 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 We need this! Go!" <laughs> I'm I'm willing to bet that it was more along the lines of that conversation lasted for you know like ten minutes or something like that where Jeff was asked something specific, said something about chocolate and mm. peanut butter, or like was teasing what they had. And then Jenna and Heidi were both like, we'd get naked for chocolate and peanut butter. And then when they cut it together, yeah, they cut out right. all the, the kind of middle part. So there, there had to be, I, I cannot believe that they just like happened to have Oreos and peanut butter on that boat. No, not a chance. It, it had to be some sort of like coaching or conversation that led to that moment and that was just going to be the next thing, or it may have been like a later thing, but they brought made it earlier. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't even like have plans to do that. And they were like, okay, 
guys, we need to find some chocolate who like in production had a, a thing of Oreos and like a thing of peanut butter sitting around. They're like, we're going to make this an incentive. <laughs> it was because we need this to day. happen. <laughs> yeah. Coke too, wasn't it? It was like Oreos, peanut butter and like Coke. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cola. That's right. Cola, cola. soda. Because, cola. because Coca-Cola paid for their moment in the sun and we're never spotting them again. <laughs> they didn't pay for two <laughs> sponsorships. They had some left over in that fridge, so they ran and got it real quick. <laughs> yeah, I back to the camp. <laughs> <laughs> they stole it from the tribe. <laughs> I I would not be surprised if like a sizable amount of time passed between Jenna and Heidi saying we'll get naked for chocolate and peanut butter, and them then bringing out the chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, you're probably right. I just want to believe in conspiracy theories. <laughs> I want to believe that Survivor is scripted. Well, so. you're wrong. <laughs> Adam said something the other day, and it's been stuck in my head now. I can't stop thinking about it. He thinks Heidi was a plant. A plant? Yeah, I don't think she's a gym teacher. No, she was. She was. And she was like notably fired from her job after this episode aired. Sure. She was I can't fired? imagine yeah. why. Yeah, she was fired. Yeah, I, I bet they paid a school to fire her so that way they could claim right, she was a gym teacher. this is becoming a little more sketch. <laughs> Why did they fire her? Because, because of her... Yeah, because she, she got naked on TV, and yeah. that's not a good role model for children. Hey, good for you, school. You have more integrity than CBS. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see it all the time, though, like on Big Brother. Like, people that go on Big Brother get completely fired from their jobs. I did not know that. Did you hear about this like big brother? This is slightly tangential, but um, there was like a big brother, uh, Portugal, Port uh, big brother, Spain or something like that. where like, um, a woman was like sexually assaulted and they like aired part of the episode. Oh no. And they like a bunch of advertisers decided to pull out. I don't know. In the That's midst terrible. of like all of the things that were kind of happening on survivor, it was a very like, this is how bad it could have been. Like wow. moment. That's terrible. No, I didn't yeah. hear about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like oh. within within the last couple of weeks. Ew. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, which I did not just hear like, about that. It's one of those things that like this is this had we're the thing that we keep commenting on is like there there it's really hard to watch this with like 2019 standards and 2003 yeah. standards driven too. Like it, it is exceptionally difficult, and part of you feels like how do you not know better? Like this feels obvious. <clears throat> but we're sitting in 2019 after the Me Too movement. And now we're sort of seeing what, like if Me Too had happened in that time period and they were still trying to pull these sorts of things, like we're, we're seeing these types of things pop up in reality shows now. And I, I don't know. I just, I think it's really interesting mm -hmm. in, in like the history of reality TV and the history of like these kinds of shows that have always been, that have always kind of towed the line because that's interesting and dramatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or like funny, like the things that people right. say for a laugh this season <laughs> would cause Twitter to explode in, in 2019. Like right. Yeah, I, wonder, so. I want to know how far into this season, this season of survival would have gotten or like how the editing would have changed. Yeah. It's just, it's so interesting. I'm just so curious. Yeah, I think like the easy answer is that this wouldn't have happened to begin with because production would have not tried to create yeah. this atmosphere of randiness and like outward, uh, you know, objectification, you right. know, and then, yeah, they, they wouldn't have said the things and it wouldn't have happened, you know, but yeah, it is. It's we say it all the time, but it is like crazy to watch and remember that this was what the world was like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um. I texted you guys this because I found it out when I was preparing for this episode, but uh, Heidi ended up marrying um, professional baseball player Cole Hamels. I didn't know that. Who is that? Uh, Cole <laughs> Hamels. Said she was a plant. He was a, he was a cub. Yeah, he was right? a cub the last couple of years. He was on the Phillies for like the longest stretch of his career and his most like successful stretch. He's a pitcher, won the World Series with the Phillies. Um like borderline Hall of Famer, probably not at this point, but like close. Ruggedly handsome, really good looking guy. It's a cute couple pick. I don't want to Google it for fear of spoilers. Okay, I'll I'll look up uh, Cole and Heidi Hamels. Thanks. <laughs> uh, go ahead and stall for me, guys, while I do this. Sure. <laughs> Have we talked about the prize for this year? 
No, prize? I don't think we have the prize for winning fantasy survivor. Um, oh, no, we haven't. Yeah, See, Adam's wearing we... his tie dye shirt and playing with the llama right now. So I was just wondering. <laughs> <laughs> I blame if I don't win this year, I blame it on not having the llama. At the start, I'm throwing that out there now. I'm already putting an asterisk on this season. Um, what is what would be a good uh, uh, prize this year so far? From what we've seen, what would be a good a magic eight ball? Yeah, I think that's um, the answer that's so far. That's got to be up there. How how hard are magic eight balls to find? Not that hard. Go to Walmart. I, bet I mean, yeah. Do they still like make them? I yeah, don't, they've got to. I just sent a picture of Cole and Heidi in the oh. um. What a cute picture! Wow. 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 He's a good looking dude. Zoom in. I can't. Um, I also, when I was looking this up, I like just had all this like other associated memories. This is like, a, they're a pretty cool and like generous couple. Like they have a foundation that they founded together. Um, they're like known like adoption advocates. Um, and they, uh, they have like this, they had a mansion that when like in Philadelphia, when Cole played there, that when they then he got on a new team and they moved, he's got this, he had like this $9 million mansion that he just like donated to a charity instead of like selling it. And of course, like he has tons and tons of money, so he doesn't need it. But like, yeah, he like donated his giant mansion, you know, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. To like a, really a nice. camp or whatever. Yeah. They're cool folks. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Anyway. Heidi, uh, Heidi moves on from this moment of public nudity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, another note I made here is I, I think this is where the, like the marked shift happens. Um, when like you start to see why Rob Sesternino is heralded as one of the most entertaining survivors of all time. He really comes into his own confessional wise with his like storytelling and like deep analogies around this time. He had some funny remarks. Um, these, this episode. I am increasingly a fan of Rob. Yeah. He still makes some comments here and there, but yes, yes, indeed he does. Um, and then I, I, one thing I wanted to talk about before we get to tribal here is like, I think it's worth talking about the game merit to what Heidi and Jenna are doing regarding their, you know, like getting naked effectively, you know, and then like the, uh, the bath scenes and stuff, because we may like, yeah, talk about it one way or the other, but there's at least one confessional this episode where they're talking about like how this is a strategic thing, right? So we ought to do the same. Um, what do you guys make of the game merit to what Heidi and Jenna are doing as far as playing up their sexuality? Um, do, do you think there's any efficacy to this here? Um, this is actually something I was thinking about uh, watching this episode and then the next one. Because they have throughout the cha- not to like spoil anything for the next episode but throughout the challenges they both kind of stick together Mm -hmm. in what they're doing they get not in this one but they can get some they can get farther in challenges later on maybe (laughs) so that's a spoiler um together so it's not just one of them Mm -hmm. and then just the way that they handled this uh oreo peanut butter thing afterward and they were talking in their confessional and they were just very nonchalant about it. And they're like, they were laughing about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, we're the survivors who did this. Like, that's who we are. And I think they're really leaning into, and I am not endorsing this at all, but this is what I'm noticing. Mm-hmm. Factually. Um, I think they're really leaning into the characters that this production team is making them out to be. And sure. I think that's kind of masking them as threats in the game. Hmm at least from what we are seeing. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, LOL. Like we like to eat Oreos, but they went through that challenge unscathed and they're in 
the alliance that's kind of running the game right now. Yeah. But we are looking at Rob and we are looking at Dina as leaders in that alliance. Mm -hmm. And we are not considering in the way that they're framing them. Jenna and Heidi are not being considered leaders in that at all. It's kind of like they're just going along with it. But I don't think that's what they're doing. Like, I think they are being more intentional. Yeah. In the way that they're playing the game. I think this is this is something we talk about a lot where it's really problematic to be a leader on Survivor. Like, it's really difficult to go into it as the leader because you're target number one most of the time. Everyone wants to cut the head off the snake. That is first and foremost people's priority when they're trying to take down an alliance that seems like they're taking over. Which means if you're Dina in this case, or if they realize that Rob is such a strong, important component to this, that's really problematic. And like Emily said, this hides them so well. And their, <clears throat> excuse me, their, uh, their ability to play that up. I mean, it means they get to go and eat Oreos and it looks like they're not quitting because they're so confident that they're not going to get voted out. It looks like, you know, oh, they're kind of ditzy or this doesn't matter. They don't realize how much this matters. And so they think you. it's easy to think they're dumb. I, I, I think it is a really good strategic play. I think it'll go farther in this kind of season than it would in a later season. Mm hmm. I think in Kayan, it just wouldn't have flown. I mean, we had an entire like beauty tribe and I don't think anyone played it quite as well as Heidi and Jenna do mm -hmm. in the beauty tribe. But it becomes so strategic that you have to you have to be good at portraying like, oh, I'm a dumb blonde, but also like kind of running your own side thing in the background. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it won't work. Whereas with this right here, they kind of get to sit back and be like, well, Rob and Dina seem to have this under control. They think that they're in charge. They think they're running this. We can sit back until it is smart for us to not sit back anymore. Yeah. And I think that's a completely valid way to play it. It's, you know, uh, it's there. There are some problems with the portrayal of it, but that's not on them, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, it, you know, we, we can talk. Well, we can talk about this for literally the entire thing and we'll never get over yeah. this. But, you know, yeah, I, I think that. I think it makes sense and I think they're doing it exceptionally well. Yeah. There's such a contrast between like the other members of their alliance too. And I think that overall strengthens up their entire alliance. So like we've got Dina and Rob who at least from the outside looking in or maybe even in that tribe, everybody probably thinks that they are very good players, but they don't think about um, Heidi and Jenna as strong strategic players. And so by them, kind of using this that does take the target off their back so to speak people don't think of them as necessarily maybe you know big players in this game so then when they are you know strategizing behind the scenes we maybe haven't seen it yet it does maybe add to that effect so I, like you guys have said i think they are maybe they're probably doing more strategizing than the, the producers are showing us so i think kind of it it completely masks them as threats. And I think it will pay off for them in the end. There's also, there's a really interesting question because Rob is so confident that him, Dina and Jenna are their like core three mm -hmm. in this case. And I, we'll, we'll probably talk about this more in the next episode because Rob becomes very concerned with Heidi, but um, I, I don't, he becomes very concerned with Heidi and Dave, not yeah. Heidi and Jenna. And so part of me wonders if like, this is even fooling Rob our, at least tied with most strategic player at the moment. Yeah. Which is, which is good. Like, I think if that's your play, that's a really good play, especially if you're fooling, you know, one of the two most strategic players in the game at the moment that's being portrayed. So I, I am just I this is strategically still a relatively boring season. <laughs> right. But I feel like in the ramp up here at the end, we're going to see a lot of strategy real quick. Yeah. 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 I think it really starts to take the shift this episode where, you, yeah, you're hearing more of it. You see what people's plans are, you know, whereas before you didn't necessarily see that. Um, yeah. And you can track from here on out whether or not those things work. 
at tribal though, Roger is gone with very little fanfare. Um, he was incredibly confident and then was incredibly blindsided. Um, it, did you guys think there was a like a, a moment where Roger should have seen the writing on the wall in a way that he didn't? Yes. <laughs> I was amazed at how he was treating people when they all merged. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess if you are someone who is used to being in charge and giving orders and creating order, maybe you wouldn't see that. I just can I can't imagine going into a group of people who are all together for the first time, some of them you don't know at all. Right. And just starting to, like, as they're kind of enjoying and getting to know each other, just being like, okay, stop, like, and just telling them all what to do. And, like, how could you not read the room there and and see that people don't like that and how that's a huge problem for you? Well, I think his mindset was the guys aren't pushing back on this too much. So they clearly don't care. Mm-hmm. And the girls are the minority. Well, yeah. So it doesn't right. matter. It doesn't matter what they think. Yeah. I, it's just like, I think in his mind, right. I think in his mind, he genuinely thought that the guys were just going to stick together. And in some sense, that is probably a really good strategic move. Just all the guys stick together. Like that's, I think that is as as good a strategic move as anything else. If you're confident that you can win immunity, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think Rob's. I think Rob was just his his ego was too big, and it was reflected in like the post Roger. vote. What did I say? Rob. Raj. Raj. Um, I'm sorry. Rogers. Uh, it was. It was reflected in uh, the the post vote talking head piece, mm-hmm. you know, right there where he was like, well, I wasn't outplayed or outwitted. It's like, yes, you were. Yeah. You, yeah, were, very because you were the definition of outplayed and outwitted. Yeah. I think part of. Was, go ahead, Scott. I was going to say he wasn't even necessarily like the main target coming into this episode. Like, no. Dave like was it, number one. It was mm-hmm. Dave Roger Butch. That's a great point. I forgot about that. And he managed to mess that up so much. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> an asshole. <laughs> yeah, truly. So, yeah, I'm amazed at how like bad he played this episode. Yeah, he really beefed it. Uh, part of like the context I think we don't get watching in like the random order that we are is that up to this point in Survivor, um, the... This is a um, inside survivor term called a paganging. Um, and what that means is it's when one tribe, the, the tribe with the minority going into the merge uh, just picks off one by one everybody from the tribe with the minority, right? Um, this was incredibly common to this point. It was the norm. Um, and so throwing in a tribe swap like they did this season messed that up. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and Roger, so wait, you're saying that typically they would have a merge, and then the majority would pick off the minority. Yeah, for sure. Just yeah, whichever tribe had more people going they into it. Swap, right? This may right. be the first. Did we say this was the first tribe swap ever? I don't know if we said it. I think I it think was. That was something we talked about. It might have been something we talked about. Yeah, which you know effectively dealt with this thing that yeah is like a a bummer about some of the first seasons of Survivor is how common it is that like, it, okay, well, which one of the, you know, this minority group is going to be voted out. It's not very like suspenseful. And I wonder if, yeah, Roger expected that to hold true, that there were more men than the women easy, you know? Uh, but this, yeah, this season's not like that, which is really one of the reasons why it's so good is that it's well, less like predictable in that way. And in some sense it should have held true because I mean, in in a tribe swap like that, especially the way that it was done, you could, in theory, pick off members of the opposite tribe, and then rejoin your original tribe and like have a clear majority. Like you don't even need to win immunity all the time in order to have a majority. Yeah. Now you have an inside man on the op- opposite tribe. It just you just had someone like Rob and Dina to thwart everything. Mm-hmm. And also you were a bad person. So, right. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I had one other question for, well, okay. Well, first thing, the, yeah, the beginning seasons of Survivor uh, have a really rigid construction, especially the end game. And that's why Roger is a member. He's on the merge tribe, but not a member of the jury. There's like always a final two and a jury of seven here early on. So there are 10 people left in the game, even though they were merged at 10. That first person voted out post-merge isn't on the jury. So that's why he's not on the jury. Um, and that plays into why they voted him out as well. Um, and another thing that I needed to mention, because I texted you guys hyping this up, and then it, either I blacked out or it was cut from like the streaming edit of it. Was Did you guys get Rob's voting confessional on this episode? I don't think so. I don't think, uh, no. I don't yeah, think I don't so either. And that like definitely was aired the first time it, it ran. I like waited until after the episode to see if it was like a a throw in at the end of it. I have no idea why they cut this from the episode. Um yeah, he he turns in this hilarious voting confessional when he votes Roger out. I have it, I found it on the internet here, so I'm just gonna play it for you guys. Here comes tonight's long distance dedication. It goes out to Rob from New York. He writes, Dear Casey, there's a mean old man in my life that's about to leave. Could you please play something appropriate for me? Well, Rob, here's your request. Na, 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 na. Hey, 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 goodbye. <laughs> he does a full-on Casey Kasem impersonation. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> and sings a song yeah, <laughs> as, <did> <laughs> as a long distance dedication. <laughs> I wonder if like when Casey Kasem died, like if they pulled it because it's now like not it's uncouth. But like CBS, if you're pulling things from old seasons of Survivor, we have some notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of well, maybe some was, other what, things you'd see- like to pull. There was a big controversy with Disney Plus because they removed the uh, symbol from Gravity Falls. Yes, from uh, Grunkle Stan's hat. From Uncle Stan's hat. Uh, it was. It was like it's like a goldfish or something like that. Like it's nothing. But they removed they removed the symbol, and everyone was like, "Why?" And so I wonder if there's like something to do with this. Yeah. Like, or it was just someone made a decision. Like I don't know. I don't want to deal with anything like he's a public figure. He's a public figure. They should have been able to air it. I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah, I don't know. But like I'm. I'm not any of our like more woke viewers can or listeners can maybe let me know, but I'm like almost positive that this was just in in the edit of the episode. It wasn't like um, at the finale. They were like, well, you know, Rob's a really funny guy. Here's some of his funniest moments that didn't make air. Like, I really don't think that was the situation here. So I have no idea why it's not in the episode. If it was made today, that would be a uh, digital exclusive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mm. a secret scene, if you will. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Roger's out of the game. Um, and let's take a uh, a turn to our fantasy uh, game here. Roger was on the Poison Dart Frog tribe. So, Emily, you lose your second member of the game. Uh, how do you feel about your squad after that loss? Uh, eulogize Roger's game for us, would you? You know what? I'm going to start by saying I forgot he was on my team. And I'm a little upset at the way that he played it at the end. Yeah. But thanks for adding some spice into this episode. (laughs) (laughs) And for causing Rob to have such an amazing confessional. Yeah. (laughs) It's really good. Thank Uh, you. Rob later goes on in one of his podcasts to do an entire segment as Casey Kasem, (laughs) (laughs) like a recurring segment. (laughs) So it it lives on. That's awesome. Excellent. (laughs) So from this episode, this was a hugely high scoring episode because as I mentioned off the top, every player who is in the game at the merge gains an automatic 15 points to reward you guys for picking people who have some longevity in the game. So with that being said, um, Emily pulled in 65 points this week, 25 a piece from Rob and Christy and the base 15 from Roger. Adam pulled in 70 points, getting 
25 each from Heidi and Matthew, but only 20 from Butch since he voted incorrectly. Um, and then Scott pulled in a whopping 105 points <laughs> after getting 25 Incredible. each from Alex and Dina and a whopping 35, sorry, 25 each from Alex and Jenna, but 35 from Dina since she won immunity as well. Dave only got you 20 points since he voted incorrectly as well. Oh. And with that, our uh, cumulative scores are as follows. In third place is Emily's Poison Dart Frogs Tribe at 230. In second place is Adam's Believe in Yourself and Aliens Tribe at 245. And yeah. pacing the group at this point is Tribe Bangarang with a 40-point lead at 285. Scott, you are pulling ahead. What does the future have in store for your group? Well, only the survivor gods know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I have a feeling that I might take my first casualty next at our next episode. Ooh. But for now, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm hoping we keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bangarang. Bangarang, baby. <laughs> uh, let's move on to our, to our MVPs section here. Um, Scott, since you're leading the way, why don't you start us off by awarding the first MVP point of the night? Who was the strongest performer in this week's episode? Um, so this is, uh, I kind of, I always bury my lead, like in the beginning with all my like hype, but Dina <laughs> again, Dina is like, because she won immunity. And I feel like the whole episode was kind of like building up towards her, like, winning immunity and like taking control of the game. Yeah. And also she delivered this awesome quote and it was like reality check in mate. Yeah. That was big. When she, in her voting confessional. So overall I'm a, I'm a Dina Stan account on Twitter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dina's so, an icon. Dina. Uh, Adam, what would, who would you give your MVP point to today? Dina's a really good pick. I think I'm going to go with Rob though. He yeah. just like the two of them are such a great combo. I'm still upset that we don't get more Dina in the world, but uh, <clears throat> that that po that that voting confessional is wonderful, uh, and and his commentary on what is happening is just great the entire time. It really it really does drive the season. He's like without a doubt the narrator. I I would actually I should look up a confessional count on this season. I would not be surprised if he to this point has like doubled the second place person as far as. Um, confessionals go um emily your turn who gets the mvp point um i can see both sides of the options but i would have to go with dina uh queen because she queena queena she is the queen of the survivor season um she made that alliance with rob and mm. she was talking about it and i think she was talking with jenna She's mm -hmm. like, you know, I may never win a individual immunity, but that doesn't matter. Like, I'll still be in charge of this. Yeah. And she did both of those things. She, she got the individual immunity and she still controlled the vote. tonight. True. Yeah. Dina's a great pick. I'm going to give my slight edge to Rob, though, as well. I think what really puts it over the hump for me is the way that he orchestrated this successful kind of flopping of... um as far as the tribe alliance lines go, where he um, was able to really without any much like interference, get Matt, uh, not Matthew, get Alex. Um, yeah, get Alex and Matthew to yeah, vote yeah. with the women against Roger, Butch and Dave, where, yeah, I think that, you know, if you really think about it, it's not really out of the question at all that they get back you know, they talk to the guys and Alex and Matthew are not, you know, totally on board with sticking with the swapped tribe and instead are like, no, nah, man, we've got the got the advantage here with the men. Let's just roll with them. But yeah, really wasn't a problem. And he got the person, the mean old man out that he wanted to get out. So uh, great, great showings from both of them, though. Anything we missed from this episode, guys? I think we covered it. Yeah. Yep. We always do, don't we? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Outwatch. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't yet. We love to get those ratings, so uh, hit us with a five-star review. It does help us show up in the feeds, and that, of course, is important. And, hey, get drop us a line at outwatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Outwatch Podcast, and let us know what is the food that would tempt you to stripping naked as the day you were born and jumping into croc-infested waters on Survivor. Let us know. Um, <laughs> next time on Outwatch, we will be recapping episode eight of Survivor the Amazon titled Sleeping with the Enemy. Um, uh, hold on. It's titled Sleeping with the Enemy. In a sexual way. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>